Hey guys, this is Mike Badano, and you're listening to Sarcastic Remarks on 365 Sportscast Radio Network. Hey Christian, how's it going this evening? It's going amazingly goodly good. Ah, you didn't use fantastically this time. I'm a little shocked. Yeah, it's not fantastic. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Starcastic Remarks. Uh, along with Chris Chambers, my brother, I am Ryan, and uh, you have entered the realm of the Dallas Stars. Um, we talk about anything and everything Dallas Stars hockey, and sometimes whatever we want to, and we are very sarcastic a lot of the time. So, honestly, you don't live in our family or like exist in our family unless you're like super sarcastic, right? Would you, Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Who's the most sarcastic? I mean, no, that's not fair at all. There we go. <laughs> I was about- mom. Yeah, mom's probably the most sarcastic out of the what nine of us. Well, and ten if you include Amanda. So, Amanda's pretty sarcastic too. Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, you know, this has absolutely nothing to do with the Dallas Stars, but it, it would be. A uh, a bad thing if we didn't mention this, uh, just because of how big it is in the sports world. So today, six uh, Premier League teams in the English Football League Premier League, uh, among six other teams, so 12 total, have mentioned that they are going to try and create a new league called the European Super League. And right now that seems to be taking the world by storm. And uh, it seems the majority of commentators and fans and, you know, social media, what I've seen, is that this is very much a very bad thing for the game of soccer slash football. Uh, have you done much reading up on this, Chris, or do you have any real opinion on it yet? Yeah, I did I did a little bit. I talked to Seth, who's a big soccer nut, and I kind of watch. I'll watch the, the last couple games of the season sometimes, but... Yeah, it seems pretty bad. So the best analogy I've seen that it, it is is like you take like Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame and Texas from college football, and they only play each other, and that's it. And the national championship is committee is just going to pick from those teams. So that sounds like a really bad way to make the sport more competitive. So, well, also it, what a stupid name. It's the Super League. Yeah, you kidding me? They, they that's could, awful. They could have picked anything other than Super League, but that's what they went with. So, um, and you know, these are not just like you know, little teams. I mean, this is Manchester United, Arsenal. Uh, I I think there's a couple of La Liga teams in on this too, right? I think Real Madrid's in on this. So there's so there's twelve teams that are confirmed, but apparently there's another three that have not come out yet to you know, accept the invitation to the Super League. Um, and there's a lot of blowback on this. I mean, uh, I was I was driving home from Dallas today, and, you know, driving, I didn't have much to do. So I was listening to a bunch of uh, YouTube videos and commentary on this. And uh, from, from what it sounds like, it almost like it sounds like they're Americanizing it a little bit. If, if Does that make sense? Because, you know... It, yeah, but they're doing... It, it's worse, though. Well, I mean, think of it... Just because of the way professional sports work over there. Right, and I'm not trying to back this up at all, because I think this is a bad a bad thing. 
but it's almost like over there if you think about it in nhl terms right you you've got the nhl the ahl the echl right okay so for those of you that don't watch soccer or football over over there you know the way it works is that the three worst teams in the top league get demoted down a league and then the three best teams in the second league get promoted up into the league so that's kind of like taking the the three worst teams in the NHL, so like the Buffalo Sabres, the Red Wings, and one other team I can't think of, and moving them to the AHL and then taking the best three AHL teams and moving them up. Now, that doesn't work over here in – that's not the way that it works over here in North America, but that's the way it works over in the European football leagues. So um, uh, anyway, I'm going to leave it at that because th- there's, there's a lot of, I've looked up on, but we're, we're not here to talk about that. But it – if you're interested, go and look that up because it's very interesting to uh, see the blowback that some of these teams are getting. Oh my gosh! I mean, I mean, we're talking like you know millions of dollars of fines. You know, the players of these teams will not be allowed to represent their countries at the FIFA World Cup. Stuff like that. It's insane. So, anyways, uh, go and look that up. But let's get something back to something a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more interesting and a little bit more uh, on scale with what we know knowledge-wise, which is the Dallas Stars. Um, uh, so we didn't really do any podcasts this past week just because of the busyness of this week. But uh, the Stars are currently on a six-game point streak. So despite us losing that game last Sunday and you know us ending the show feeling really bad about ourselves, you know, They've actually done okay this past week, going four zero and two in their last six games. Yep, very true. I mean, we we talked about how the schedule might lead to that, and it de- it definitely has. And I mean, the stars have also played better too. Like you, you say, like Dury and Ben were doing nothing, and, and all of a sudden they start scoring goals, and now we have goals aplenty. But it it, it it's definitely partially because we're playing a little bit better, and partially because of who we're playing. But either way, we got to find ways to pick up points here, especially at the end of the season. And that this is going to continue into this whole week where we're just playing the Red Wings. So I'm sure we'll get into that, though. Yeah, we will. We'll get into that. But let's go back over the the scores from this past week and talk about some of this stuff. So, uh, so from this past week, the Stars have played several games, including. Uh, the shootout loss against the Nashville Predators, which we were live for last week, and uh, I felt terrible after that. And then we continued to go back to the American Airlines Center and lose the first game, which is a makeup game, to the uh, Florida Panthers, and we lost that in overtime. Big surprise. And, you know, Jamie Benn was highly criticized for a penalty that he took at the end of that game. And uh, it led to a four-on-three power play, which led to the game-winning goal for the Panthers. And then Thursday and Saturday happened. And we just completely, absolutely demolish a a, a really bad uh, Columbus Blue Jackets team, which made me feel a little bit better. But still, the, the feeling from this week is... You know, we've got to win these games, right? But at the same time, it's like these are the these are crappy teams. These are not, you know, the Floridas. The well, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah. If you look back real quick on Thursday in the first period, so so first of all, we, we didn't mention this, but Wednesday it was announced that Ben Bishop and Alexander Radulov are out for the season. 
Right. I'm sure most of y'all know this because that's like the biggest news all season. <laughs> but for those of you who don't, that's what happened. That's big bad. But anyway, Thursday during the first period, it looked like a team that was told that their number one goalie and one of their best goal scorers wasn't coming back. <laughs> that's what it looked like. It was terrible. Both teams were playing bad and somehow we were still losing. But then I don't know what happened between periods, but they got their act together and they said, well, OK, we're not going to have those guys. We might as well give ourselves a shot, though. We might as well get it into the playoffs. So if and that's what that's what they've shown ever since that first period on Thursday. They've shown that they're, they're going to fight and they're going to keep trying to get into the playoffs this season, even if it seems like we don't have a chance when we have those two big guys off the roster. So that's really encouraging to me. But losing those two guys makes me feel like where earlier there was a chance, like if those guys came back and all of a sudden were somehow really good. Like, maybe they are more rested than other people. So I feel like that hope of, like, maybe we could be a dark horse in the playoffs is gone. But making the playoffs will still will still be very good. I will enjoy at least having one playoff series to watch. <laughs> well, it, don't count your chickens before they hatch because we still have to defeat, you know, several other teams. And several other things have to happen for us, too, in order for us to get into the playoffs. But... Uh, there's no question that the top three teams in this division are Florida, Tampa Bay, and, uh, oh my gosh, Carolina. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, Ryan. Thinking for myself, finally. Uh, but it's, it's just a race for that fourth spot, and it's almost more interesting to watch the race for the fourth spot than it is to see who gets first in this division. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so... You're not a Stars fan, okay? Let's just say you're not a Stars fan. Okay. Okay? Even though we both are, all right? There's three teams left in this race, right? And for the fourth playoff spot. Out of these three teams, not as a Stars fan, like, <laughs> not as a Stars fan, who logically gets that fourth spot? Nashville, Chicago, or Dallas? And why? I mean... Logically, it's Nashville because they have the most points and their schedule still – it isn't that hard to the end of the season. It's pretty normal. But, I mean, if you want to look at who's hot right now, I mean, Dallas is hot right now. They've got four games against the Red Wings. But the thing about those four games is we pretty much have to win three and I'll say a half of those since the Stars love getting one points. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we have to at least get – uh gets seven of yeah seven of eight points in this upcoming week against the Red Wings. Like we need to be ahead and in fourth by the end of this week because our schedule after that is not easy. Like we have back to back against Carolina, then we have a two game set against no we got one game against Tampa, one game against Nashville, one game against Florida, and then we have a two game set against Tampa. And then we close it out with Chicago, who I don't believe will be in the hunt at, at the end. I think it'll be Nashville and us. So, yeah, we're, we're playing a lot of the top three teams at the end of the season. So we, we need to get our points here and put ourselves in fourth now so that we can afford to lose a couple of these. Well, and what's really nice about the way the Stars have played is that they've gone 4-0-2. And now two of those wins are against a really bad Columbus team. But one of the wins was also against uh, the Florida Panthers in Dallas. So that was a, And that was a really good win for the Stars. 
uh, and that goes all the way back to last Thursday, the 8th, when uh, the Stars played Chicago, going on the six-game point streak. So, you know, this is kind of how I wish it had been at the beginning of the season. Like, I, I would have been fine with losing games in overtime and shootouts if we were winning more games than we were losing in overtime. And that hasn't been the case. Um, but it, here's here's something interesting that uh, I actually was watching the hockey guy on YouTube earlier, and he mentioned something that the Stars will be one of the few teams in NHL history to make the playoffs, if they do, without winning more than half of their games. And especially since the salary cap era came about back in 2004-2005. So, yeah, and, and go I mean, If that happens, that might legitimately spark some talk about the loser point like honestly if if we get in and then do well even too like that can make the loser point really come up for discussion in the gm meetings that happen throughout the league because we're, we're definitely abusing it we should be nowhere near the playoffs right now <laughs> well what i would be interested to see is how many we lost in overtime and how many we lost in a shootout because i almost feel like that's a I feel like it's kind of equal you really feel like it's kind of equal yeah. Mm-mm. I feel like we've lost a lot in overtime. I, I would agree with you. I think we've lost more in overtime than we have in shootouts. Which that I think would it doesn't be feel worse. like it because in overtime, it feels like we still have a chance. <laughs> if, like When it gets to shootout, we, we all feel like, okay, we lost. <laughs> like We have no hope. So. Well, after a while, I, I, I kind of gave up on the whole... Uh, you know, us winning in overtime thing. That's just not a thing for the Stars this year. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You know, you remember back in the good old days, you know, when the shootout was brand new, and we had, like, UC Jokinen and Mike Ribeiro and Brendan Morrow, and they would, you know, convert on more than 50% of their chances in overtime and stuff like that. Oh, those were the days. And, we, you know, historically, we were the best team in face-offs, or in face-offs, in shootouts, in overtimes, you know, for years. Well, and if you if you ignore our injuries, we probably still are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're missing Ben Bishop, Tyler Sagan, and Alexander Radulov. Like, that sounds like a like three great shootout players. So, I feel like if we had those guys, we would be. Alexander Radulov is one of the best shootout guys in the league. Yeah. He's, he's like, well over 50%. So is Sagan. Be nice to have those guys back, right? Story of the season. Story of the season is injuries for the Dallas Stars, and somehow, with the loser points, they are still able to get close to uh, get getting a playoff spot. So, yeah. well, the previous two games we've been getting the winner points. That's so true. That's been nice, and that's, that's been true. because of Ben and Ben and Gurionov have finally decided to show up. Yeah, so so yeah, let's talk about those two players because it's been really good for the they've been really good for the stars. And I'm gonna go back to my whole leaving Jamie Ben at uh, center thing. Uh, yeah, I'll eat my words. It's been it's definitely been working for him. I don't know what it is. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it, <laughs> it, it it's almost like he needed more opportunity to dominate a game. You know, in all in, in all areas of the ice, not just in the you know, in the offensive zone where he can clobber somebody in a corner. You know, and center gives him a lot more opportunities to win faceoffs as well. Like, uh, it wasn't the first game, but 
or the second game, but the first game against Columbus, I think he, uh, he went 13 for 15 in faceoffs. Like, absolutely, in, I know, absolutely insane. He's a left winger. <laughs> like, that that's his yeah, traditional position. So he, he's been really good ever since that move to center. And, you know, I was talking about this uh, with uh, James and Dad uh, the other night when we were watching the, the second uh, Columbus game because in the third period we were kind of all bored because we knew we were going to win. But, you know, we were still <laughs> watching the game. But what do you do when Sagan comes back? Because Sagan is coming is very close to returning within the next, I would say, week and a half to two weeks. He'll be back. Do you do you keep Jamie Bennett center and throw Tyler Sagan on the wing? Because that would ease Tyler Sagan in to where he doesn't have as much responsibilities uh, as you would need him to be. Or do you, at that point, do you just throw Jamie Ben back on the left wing side and throw Sagan down the middle with him? Yeah, that's true. That, that's a tough decision, I think. Because I, I think not playing them together would be stupid. <laughs> I, I feel like Sagan, he, he he doesn't really play wing, really. He's pretty much been a center his whole life. Right. Or his, his whole NHL career, at least, I should say. Probably his whole life, since he's probably the best player on every team he played on. But... I'd say you move Jamie Ben over to left wing again and see if he keeps his mojo. And if he doesn't, then you like really start shaking things up. I don't know what exactly you would do, but it, it would be something real funny looking. I think. <laughs> well, see, I disagree with you. I would keep Jamie Ben at center and throw Tyler Sagan on the wing until and, until it looks like Tyler Sagan is a hundred percent healthy. And and you know maybe maybe he will. Be. I don't think he's gonna play if he's not a hundred percent healthy. You don't think so at all? No, I don't think like especially when like we're not gonna get two of our best players back. There's no reason to to risk a, a long term injury for a, a franchise guy like that. Yeah, I guess so, that's I, I guess it's partially true, but still. Like he's been skating on warm up skates, and they're still like, oh yeah, he's two weeks out. Like, no, if if we needed him, <laughs> like. And we weren't afraid that he was going to re-injure himself. I feel like he'd be on the ice now. Well, I'm really excited to see him because we have really missed him, and I think this will be an extra boost uh, that this team will need. Uh, maybe it will give him a little bit more of an adrenaline rush, for a, especially for a team that is dying for some energy right now because, you know, just like every other team in the NHL right now, uh, we have no energy. So... Well, the past two games are pretty energetic. They've been able to take the third period easy. <laughs> That's true, and, and you know the other thing I noticed is that we didn't, we didn't really dominate physically. I mean, we were still physical in a way, if that makes sense, but we weren't like you know overly physical. Like you know those, and, and what I'm thinking about is those two games against Carolina, because you know those yeah. two, those two games against Carolina, those were extremely physical. Because one, that's how the Stars play, and that's also how Carolina plays. And Carolina kind of got the best of us out of both of those games. But uh, I didn't really see that in the two games against Columbus, and maybe that's just because uh, Columbus is just a really defeated team, and they just, you know, they're out, they're yeah. out of the playoff race. They basically that's, said that's... we're losers, we're selling at the deadline, so. That's definitely true, but like we we also took care of business, which we haven't been able to do this season, right? We, we would play a bad team like this, and we'd take them to overtime, and 
and or or win it by one goal. Like that's something we can't do. And like we, we got to win pretty much all these games. I'm thinking, especially against Detroit coming up this week. Like, oh my! First of all, this schedule is so weird. I'm gonna get so tired of playing Detroit. <laughs> but anyway, it it feels like we need to win like all four of those games to, to feel comfortable that we can that we can take a playoff spot. Or three and a half, according to you. those big guys at the end of our schedule there. Yeah, at least three and a half. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, if y'all haven't seen the end of the schedule, just go look at it. it it's scary. There's lots of the top three teams. We, we only play someone in the bottom three three times after we played Detroit this week. And there's still three weeks left of the season after Detroit. Well, and that, that so helps. Very not good. That, that helps a lot. It really does. So, uh... All right, so so looking at the standings, uh, and this this is where it's at right now uh, for the Discover Central, which is not really Central; it's more like Southeastern plus Dallas, I guess. <laughs> uh, in Detroit, which is a a northern team, so it's not really Central, but Chicago. Okay, but like like Tampa, Florida, really, <laughs> both of those teams yeah, in the Central Division. <laughs> okay, so Central is a relative term. So, anyways, so looking at the standings for the Stars right now, and this is as of right now, at 9.21 on Sunday night, you know, April 18th. Nashville currently has 49 points. They've played 46. You're listening to the 365 Sportscast Network, the streaming future of sports talk radio. Listen to us round the clock on the net over 365sportscast.com. Uh, Chicago has played 45 games. They have 47 points. And the Stars have three games and have 46 points. So that's four, five, six, And that puts us three games in hand over the Nashville Predators. And that also puts us three points behind Nashville. So you om- – yeah, and I, I'm going to have to agree with you here that it, it almost feels like they have to win three out of the four this this week in order to have any sort of chance for the playoffs. Yeah, I feel like we need to be in the fourth spot by the time this week is over. Like, does that sound fair? I think that sounds like, like 100% Also this fair. week, yeah, Nashville is also playing Chicago this week. So we need to pray that they split, I guess. They're playing Chicago three, three times, times which which is not good for the Stars. So it... it yeah, and that, that's exactly what you want is you want you want them to split it because you don't want Nashville to get more points to get all the points or Chicago get, to get all the points. And on top of that, you don't want them going to uh, overtime or a shootout. You want them winning in regulation yeah. in order to, to split those points. Bad. So, okay, so. Yeah, but. Go ahead, go ahead. Nash- Nashville's schedule coming up, so they have those three against Chicago while we play four against Detroit. Then they've got a back-to-back against Florida the next week. And they end that week with a game against us on Saturday, which they have three days off before the game against us on Saturday. That's not fair. That must be nice. Yeah, that isn't sucks. It? <laughs> oh, and, and, speak- and then they play. And then speaking of which, and- you know, I honestly, it, it feels so weird to not have a Stars game tonight on a Sunday. I think this is like the first Sunday in like four or five weeks that we haven't had a back-to-back on the weekend. So, yeah. Anyways. I feel like I'm late for a due date on paper. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay, so and then... So, so then a- after that, we have they, they play Columbus twice. Then they have another two-day break 
geez, I'm jealous of these schedules. And then they finished the season playing Carolina twice, which at that point, Carolina might not care, which might also be bad. So it, it looks like they have an easier schedule than us coming down the stretch. So we we definitely need to win all these games, I feel like, against Detroit, like I said. We need to be in that fourth spot by the time this week is over or else we are looking at a very, very, very uphill climb. And I would not bet on the Stars making the playoffs. So now, you know, Chicago actually has a really difficult schedule, too, coming up. So they've got the three against the Predators, right? Then they've got one against Tampa, one, two against Florida, two against Carolina. No, three against Carolina. And then one, two against the Stars to end the season. So... Ooh, no games worse than ours. Yeah, no games against Columbus and no games against Detroit. They just won the last game against Detroit the other night, four to zero. So that is a good thing in favor of the Stars, because so, I mean, you would expect like, I mean, definitely Carolina would win two out of those three, and then you know they might split with the Panthers and then lose the game against uh, Tampa Bay and stuff like that. But uh, you know, when you look at the schedules. And you look at the way that the Stars, you know, their path. It's not impossible. <laughs> I mean, we've seen crazy well, things happen. it comes down to this week. They, they, they got to win three out of four this week. They, they've got to be in the fourth spot by the end of this week. Then it's, I feel like it's likely. But that's what, it, they got to take care of business right here. And they've shown that they've been able to do that, but they've got to keep the pressure on play these like they're playoff games, and they'll crush them. But, like, if they let up, they can find themselves in a lot of trouble. So they need to win these games and just scrounge and scrap for points against the other teams. Well, I, I really hope you're right because, honestly, the only way we have a chance at this playoff spot is if we win a majority of these games against uh, Detroit coming up. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to ask this again because people keep asking me about it. On uh, on Twitter and you know Facebook and other places, is uh, do you think the start the stars? Do you think the NHL is going to go to these two game sets like they have this season, or do you think this is just you know just because of the COVID situation and how everything's gone? I don't think they will because it's too it's too much fun to play every team twice. I feel like that's worth it. It's worth the extra travel to be able to play every single team twice. You get to play them at home. You get to play them on the road. If you have a team that's like your second favorite, you get to watch them in your home building no matter what. It's going to happen. And it's just – it's not logistically plausible to, like, do a home-and-home home against someone in the other conference. So I, I feel like it's been very fun to watch, but if you're playing every team in the league twice and you have five divisional games – it's not a likely thing to happen. I also think it brings up another thing about the fairness of the interdivisional play because, like, obviously teams change as the year goes on. Right. Like, the Blues, two years ago, prime example. So, like, if the Blues played the bad teams at the beginning of their season in their division, so they had two games against... I don't, I don't even know who the worst team was. The Wild sucked. If they played two games against year. the Wild in the beginning... Yeah, but the year that they won the Cup. Right. Two games against the Wild, and then a month later, three games against the Wild. They lost four of those because they sucked at that point. But then if that if they had played those same games at the end of the season, they would have won all of them, probably. But 
So I, I feel like getting those games too close to each other just creates unfairness in interdivision play as well. Well, what what would you think about doing like a a series, like like something like that, but with your division opponents? So maybe like when we go back to the original divisions next season, which is what Gary Bettman sounds like he wants to do, and like we do, you know, two against Nashville, you know, Friday Sunday or Friday Saturday home and home, or you know we go right, and like, do it against Chicago, you know, and do an away and away. But that's what I'm saying with the fairness, because what if what if you suck in the beginning of the year and you played a bad team and lost that you would have totally beaten at the end of the year. But now you're playing the good teams at the end of the year, and you're scrapping for points when you could have had easy points if you had just had the teams flipped. You know what I'm saying? I do. I so, get it. I just feel like it, it would just it would just bring. I I think it would be awesome. I think it'd be really cool. But it would suck not seeing that opponent like repeatedly coming, and it would also suck just on a fairness level, in my opinion, just because well, of the way teams change. Well, and, you know, as much as you hate, you know, seeing those players like, you know, Ovechkin come in and Crosby and, you know, those players that just absolutely dominate the game, those are the type of players that people, yeah, those are the, those are the players that people want to see, you know, I I would want to see Alexander Ovechkin, I, I don't, we don't get to see him, but once a year, and then this year we don't even get to see him, uh, I mean, unless he, you know, they make the playoffs and the Stars get all the way to the, was it the the third round? I think it's the third round, right? So I have no idea. It, that's the only way they would be but able yeah, to face when, each other this year. When an, original team, when an original six team comes to Dallas, the ticket prices shoot up. Right. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. So I, I feel like it's worth it to play one game in each place just, just because it, it, it's fun to play every team. That's why... Baseball was so sad when they got rid of interleague play. I don't remember what year it was, but it, it was stupid. You didn't even play half the league. That's dumb. Well, it, it was even worse when, like, the Astros and Rangers wouldn't even play each other. Like, for the longest yeah, time. they're the same state, and they can't play each other. Right, yeah, like, the Astros <laughs> were in the National League, and the Rangers were in the American League. And, and I was like, that's so stupid. That's, like, the biggest deal for, you know, Texans, and especially Houstonians. Houstonians hate... Dallas, you know, area teams. So that just builds more, you know, rivalry and it's more fun. And for the longest time they didn't do that. So I would I would love to see more series so I in persuaded you. place. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, yes. Yes, you persuaded me. Okay. Um and you know, I actually want to mention this one other thing because this kind of goes along with the whole schedule since we've been talking about the schedule a lot, not just for the stars. But uh it looks like when the playoffs start, whenever that may be, because, you know, with the Vancouver situation, and I, I think they're playing tonight, actually. And, you know, now Colorado got shut down for the second time and all this stuff. It seems like that the playoffs for the Northern Division are going to be held in the United States in a bubble. That's the reports I've heard. Now, all the American teams are going to play in their home buildings. So, that is it brings a really interesting, you know, concept for the playoffs. Because, you know, technically for these, you know, Canadian cities, that could be seen as a, a, re- a really bad thing, right? 
because they don't get home home field advantage. I I guess, but first of all, geez, come on, Canada, y'all are doing so much better than us the whole pandemic, and then at the very end, you decide to suck and screw over all our Canadian teams. What is up with that? Dude? Well, it, it's just British so Columbia. Stupid. It's just British Columbia. All of Canada, I feel like I've been seeing stuff. Whatever, who cares? Who cares about diseases? That was wrong. No, who? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that would suck. So uh, that would be bad. So I hope they don't do that. Well, that that really <laughs> would not over. that really would not be fun uh, for those Canadian teams too. And, I mean, like, now, how lame would that be? You I don't find, know. It's a Canadian division. It's like. The coolest thing that could have happened during this pandemic, a Canadian division. That's freaking awesome. And you you crown the champion of the Canadian division in the United States. That yeah. is so dumb. Well, and I'm, I don't know. But but the thing is, is that it even now, in what, we're in what, April? You know, back when, this, when the season started, it seemed like the... NHL believed that the border was going to be open by now. And it still isn't. It still isn't for a majority of, of people going between Canada and the United States. So, I mean, you can't expect it to be open in a month uh, when the uh, playoffs start, which it, I think it, the first day the playoffs are supposed to start is May 18th. So, I mean, and and see, that's another thing you got to think about is because out of the, there's going to be a winner of each division, right? So there's going to be a Canadian division in the a Canadian division, a Canadian team in the final four. Yeah, they're going to have it, to come across the border at some point. They're gonna and does are they going to allow the United States team to come across the border at that point? Because that's yeah, we're looking right now, in June. No. Yeah, we're looking June, like I would think beginning of June. And at this point, I would yeah, say no. It doesn't no. look like Canada's getting anything better. Yeah, Canada's not getting any better right now. So, well, it it doesn't look I, like they're gonna I let feel them like go. That's, yeah, I I think that's plausible that they'd have to have a a boat. I don't think it might. I don't. I don't even think it'd be a bubble. I feel like they'd sell tickets to it. I mean, honestly, you have your Canadian fans in America that want to come see it. That'd be awesome. I'd go watch it. So. Well, the, and yeah, I I think them coming over is a likely possibility, which sucks. <laughs> well, and see what that means for for okay. So let's just say the stars make it to the final four, and let's say they play. Uh, I'll just say Toronto, and so does that mean that they play all like all seven games in Dallas, or it, that doesn't make sense, right? What they would have to do is they would have to take all four teams. Put them at a neutral site and make it as fair as possible, right? No, they. I feel like what they, they would, would do is after do the they would have to after do after the Canadian bubble playoffs, wherever the Canadian bubble playoffs are at, that's the Canadian division team's home ice. I feel like that's what would happen. So, uh, so let's just say they don't want to Vegas. miss out on ticket sales in Dallas because of what's happening in Canada. But, uh, but that doesn't make that that's not fair for the for the Canadian team, right? That would that makes logical sense to me. The Canadian team wouldn't wouldn't have fans though e anyway. Right, but that that still wouldn't be fair because they would still be allowed to play in their home barn. And regardless of what people think, playing in your home barn, even without fans, I think still gives you some sort of edge. 
some sort of edge. Mm, no. And I, and I feel like, especially when the season's like this, like, there, there's no... There's, unless they really just feel like forfeiting ticket sales is, is worth some competitive advantage that might happen. But, like, that doesn't make sense either, because Dallas had had fans when other teams didn't have fans, like, especially in the very beginning of the season when we were, like, one of the only teams. So, uh, I feel like they definitely wouldn't do that. They, they would want the ticket sales, because they're going to be expensive. Well, right, and on top of that, it's still going to be, you know, you know, a certain capacity. I think they just recently upped the capacity for the Stars games, just, a, like, a little bit extra. I think, like, the... I saw that they've been like slowly increasing it. I think that it was like up to like six and a half thousand, I think, somewhere around there for the stars. Uh, I'm not positive, but it, it it was something like that. And what's funny is that the stars have the highest the highest average home attendance <laughs> in the National Hockey League, which which never happens, which is funny. But um, hey, we're actually always up there though. Yeah, we are. And Just because we have one of the bigger stadiums. Well, it helps. It helps, right? And I think a lot of that last year, we were, like, top five just because of the Winter Classic. Because <laughs> the Winter Classic yeah, was, was, like, 80,000 or something like that. Okay, so... Yeah, our, wasn't our wasn't our average, like, higher than our yes, building's yes. capacity? Right, it was, it, it was like, <laughs> it was, like, 25 or 22,000 or something like that. So, uh, anyways, I thought that was an interesting conversation to have because, you know, if you're... Gary Bettman and you know the board of governors, you have to be thinking about this sort of stuff at this point. Yeah, uh, well, you have to be thinking that, about whatever this. competitive advantage you have from playing in an empty rink that is technically yours. I, I I feel like will that will not overpower the amount of ticket sales that they'll have for a a conference final and Stanley Cup final game. So okay, so, so that, I feel like that'd be ridiculous. So let so let's just assume that like this. Canadian bubble or whatever would be in, let's just say Vegas, because Vegas seemed to be an overwhelming choice for a long time before their COVID numbers started going up. So do you think they would be able to fill T-Mobile Center, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs would be able to fill T-Mobile Center if that was their quote-unquote home arena for the playoffs? Well, they wouldn't fill it because of COVID. But like, uh, okay, if there was okay. No COVID, COVID, yes, they would. If fill it to COVID capacity, whatever that is, twenty five percent, thirty percent, whatever it is. Oh yes, absolutely, no doubt. You really think that? I see, because oh I'm yeah, not... I feel like people, I feel like Toronto fans would fly into Las Vegas and just have a vacation there while Toronto had the series. Just go to the slots, come back, watch watch the Maple <laughs> Leafs lose. It it'd be a really losing week. It'd be great. Oh, I don't know. Well, it. I, I don't know. It, it it's got it's got to be in, it's got to be interesting, and it's gonna be interesting to watch to see what they come up with. But at the end of the, like there's, not, uh, there's not a competitive advantage like you think there is. Well, I, I don't see what the competitive advantage is there. Well, and whatever you do, it's gonna suck for somebody, right? Yeah, it's gonna suck for Canada. Who cares about Canada? They suck. Well, I mean, it, I Next just, I, I just don't see how it would be fair to for it to just suck for Canada and not for the Stars if the Stars made the final four or whatever. I think they that doesn't would... make sense. That's you, communist. <laughs> <laughs> so it sucks for some people. Better suck for everybody. 
Well, I no, mean, this, is, this is capitalism, dude. <laughs> I, I just don't see no how. Step on snack. I just, I just don't see how it, how it could work. So, um, anyways, so it's, it seems like it's that, those Canadian teams' fault for living in a stupid country. No, it's the not their fault. <laughs> Austin Matthews, who is arguably the biggest Toronto Maple Leaf, you know, legend right now, is from Arizona. So you can't say that. you can't say that. He he shouldn't have played for the Maple Leafs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's not like he had a choice. He got he got drafted by them. Hey man, demand a trade. Okay. Pull a Patrick Line. Okay. All right. Here's our next topic. Uh, so uh, you you kind of already, you know, mentioned it a little bit, but uh. Obviously, we got the news this past Wednesday that Alexander Radulov and Ben Bishop will not be returning to the uh, Dallas Stars this season. Um, for Ben Bishop, he, he's just not gonna be a hundred percent, and there's no point in bringing him back when you've got two, you know, two good goaltenders that are doing well right now. Jake Ottinger is doing well, and so is uh, Dobby. And then for Radulov, it looks like it's core muscle surgery. So that just sounds painful. Extremely painful. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. Uh, it almost sounds as bad as a torn labrum, which is what uh, Sagan had. Um, but the reason why I bring this up is is for a different reason, actually. It's, it's actually for the upcoming expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. So with, with the fact that both of those guys are not going to be playing for the rest of the season, right? And especially for Ben Bishop. Because Ben Bishop will have not played this entire season. That can have some dramatic effects on who the Stars protect and who they don't protect. Because in order to qualify for expansion and to be taken by Seattle, that player must have played a certain amount of games. So, and I will have to get... Oh, it's over the past two years, though, isn't it? Yes, but I think it has to be, so like... they would have met it last season. Well, I think it has to be, like, 60... I think it has to be, like, 65 or 70% of the games they have to have played over the course of the past two years. So, what that means is... No way. It's possible. What that means for the Stars is that these two players, they might... With no movement clauses, they might not have to protect. Can you... Can you imagine how much that would change the stars, you know, expansion draft, you know, thought process and well, the, how they would go about it? Well, first of all, I don't think that's true. I feel like something's wrong with that just cuz that sounds incorrect. I don't know why. It just doesn't sound right to me. But anyway, if that is true, then they'd have to like they'd have to do the option where they like save a certain amount of players instead of the six forwards, three defensemen, right? Don't you think? I don't know. Because they'd have to leave they have to leave a certain amount of of players unprotected that are like able to be taken that meet those qualifications. Well, well right, but e- even on the goaltender front, so let's say that they don't have to protect Ben Bishop because, you know, he didn't play enough games. They could protect Dobby and they still have two goaltenders who could be taken in the draft, who could be eligible. And that's Landon Bow and Colton Point. And both of those guys qualify for expansion. But for they that. haven't played in the NHL. But there's, but they, uh, there, there's some other rules about it. it. It's like you have to be a certain. It, it, it's really specific. Like 
the, how the how the expansion draft works. But I mean that that could completely change everything about the stars outlook and how they would approach the expansion draft and who they protect. So I thought that was worthy, you know, noting, and maybe that's why they shut down Ben Bishop for the season. Yeah, especially because it looked like he was about to come back. Like, it, it really looked like he was. He, he seemed fine. He was skating. Wasn't he making saves? Yep. During he, practice? He was. So that was surprising to me. Maybe maybe Nil's doing something fishy, but, but I believe in Nil, so whatever. He can do whatever he wants. I still feel like we're losing Dickinson, so. Well, yeah, and those are. And I was talking to to Dad about that last night. Is it's like my two favorite players right now are Jason Dickinson and Jamie Alexiak, and that seems and like both those, on the chopping block. Right, exactly. Like one of those. Two, it seems like we're gonna lose one of those two guys. So, uh, that's really, really, really unfortunate. Uh, but uh, we'll have to get back to you on that, and we'll do a little bit more research to see uh what's going on with all of that. So, Chris, is there any, any other topic that you specifically wanted to talk about? Because I've got a couple, but I wanted, wanted to know if you wanted to bring up anything specific. Uh, Gurionov can score goals now. That's cool. He, there were nice goals, too. Like, goodness. Him and Ben feel like they're really clicking. I just feel like we didn't get on that enough. I've, I've been hard on Ben. Ben, you've been playing great recently. I love you, baby. I forgive you. I'm what, coming back. What did I say last radio show? What did I say? Who was right? Who was right? Shut up, Ryan. I was You're an idiot. right. <laughs> you said that Columbus was going to be third in the division. You you deserve nothing. But I was right about the Stars getting fourth, right? That's our only chance. <laughs> Shut up. No one cares <laughs> well, about you. And we, I was also wrong about Florida. Florida was... I, I did not see Florida coming like this, but freaking Drieger, Drieger becoming you know like fantastic goaltender and all. Um. Anyway, so yeah, let's talk about the that line. Uh, and specifically, uh, Gary Onoff and Ben, they've been looking really good together. And then it seems like whoever plays with them along with those two guys seems to do pretty well as uh, as well. Yeah, Dickinson's kind of there, you know. Yep. Need bodies, you know. You gotta have three, five guys on the ice. Apparently, it's a rule. So, guess they had to throw Dickinson out there. Dang it! Well, and some of those shots that uh, <laughs> Garyanov has been taking, and especially that uh, the second goal from the last game, that looked like Dennis Garyanov that we haven't seen in months. Yeah, maybe even that looks like a year. playoff Garyanov. Yeah. I mean, like he's he's taking the shot from the from the circles, like he has, and he's lasering them. I mean, he's not just missing. Wide that's all anymore. he has to do. Yeah, yeah. He needs to shoot it hard and hit the net. Those are the only two things he has to do, and he's going to score a bunch of goals. So hopefully, he, he's figured that out again, and we can start trying to make a push for the playoffs. Well, and then uh, Jamie Ben has scored seven points in his past six games, so. It's almost like he heard you, Chris, and he's making you eat his words. Yeah, I mean, I called him out. He responded. That's that's what all good players do when a coach gives them criticism. So you're <laughs> welcome, Jamie. <laughs> Honestly, I think that the the play have been 
at center has been the reason why he's been that good. And and that that oh yeah that line yeah. has just been I don't know what's fantastic. happened. Yeah, I don't know what's happened, but he, he looked like a completely different player right now. So very much enjoy. Okay, so uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, even though we've been talking about it for weeks now, it it seems like the rest of the world is finally starting to catch on to the Robertson train, Robertson for Calder. And, uh, you know, there's some there's some fascinating uh, statistics uh, that I've seen on Twitter and that I think it was Matthew DeFranks put up about uh, about Robertson. But the, the funny thing is that you, Robertson doesn't do any of his damage on the power play, which is very strange considering that's, you know, a place that the Stars need to take advantage of since they are a very highly defensive team but he, he does all of his all of his damage on five on five which is very different for any stars player honestly if you ask me yeah, I, I think that shows like how much he's truly bought into the way the Dallas stars play hockey like if you think about you want the best Dallas stars player I think Robertson is up there like two-way guy back check super hard and he just turns it right around and can fly up the ice and take advantage of turning the defense into offense like Bones always says. So if you're looking for a perfect Dallas star on five on five, Robertson's your guy. Like he is what the perfect Dallas stars player should be. Well, and uh, uh, I found the, I found the, uh, the statistic I was looking for. So uh, this is from Matthew DeFranks. This was actually from today. So get this. When Jason Robertson is on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, the Stars score 4.5 goals per, per 60 minutes. That is third in the NHL among forwards with 500-plus 5-on-5 five five minutes. Okay, And get a load of the names that are associated with this list. Number one is McKinnon. Number two is Chandler Stevenson in Vegas. Third is Robertson. Then you've got Rantanen. Five is Stone. Six is Pacioretty, seven is Barzell, eight is Drysail, nine is Bergeron, ten is Connor McDavid. So he is scoring. Good company. He is. <laughs> that's insane, right? That that's absolutely insane. Like like what? Like it's like one of these is not like the other. It's Robertson doesn't belong in that category with those kind of players. <laughs> and you know who's not in this top ten list? Kaprizov. Kaprizov is not in this list. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, if the Calder was about who truly is the best all-around rookie, then I think Robertson really does have a really strong case. But unfortunately, it's not about that. It's about which player looks the best while they're doing it. And Kaprizov has played more games, therefore he has more points, which looks better. And his goals are more flashy, which looks better. And he's a big, giant hockey player dude, which looks better. So even though we're talking about it, Robertson would have to do something unbelievable to even really put up a fight in the Calder votes. So well, Robertson's not going to win the Calder, unfortunately. But don't no, he, he is no, the best no, rookie no, this no. year. You don't you're counting him out way too soon. Okay, when we were when we talked about this about two or three weeks ago, right? Okay, about two or three weeks ago, he was just. I mean, there was like little trickles, and the only reason why there was little trickles. Is because he was playing with uh, Pavelski and and especially with Hints 
and either with one of those two guys, he was doing really well. And when they threw all three of those guys together, they did really well. And th But the thing we asked about when we talked about this last time was the fact is, okay, that's great. He's doing fantastic. He's on a real good run. Can he be consistent over a period of time? And I would say that the answer is yes. And he has proven yeah. that he's been consistent. So I think he can take this consistency and continue to go all the way until the end of the, the regular season. And if he does but, that, but Kaprizov he, is doing it too. It, if he if he does it, he will have more points than Kaprizov at the end of the season. Okay, since March, if he can if he can finish if he can finish the season with more points than Kaprizov, he will have a chance. But even then, he's not going to finish the season with more goals than Kaprizov. Okay, which still might make Kaprizov win. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's not always about it's not always about goals. It, I think they. It shouldn't be more people. <laughs> I think more people look at points than anything. I mean, when you look at, you know, the and Matthew DeFranks has a great article which I should have brought up, but we're running out of time. Uh, that he he takes the statistics of both Kaprizov and Robertson side by side, and he he talks about all sorts of things. So you know, like plus minus, is he on the ice more often than Kaprizov, and you know. Who, like, does he lead to more goals, or does Kaprizov lead to more goals? Uh, he talks about you know, stat. how how important is Robertson to his team compared to Kaprizov for his team, or you know all this other stuff. So, um, maybe that's something we mention in a in a in a podcast coming up later this week or something. Maybe after one of the games, and maybe well, I'll just say it now. Robertson's gonna have a huge game sometime this week. And then we'll talk about this article later. I'm saying he probably deserves the Calder. I'm just saying he's probably not going to get it. <laughs> people like goals. People like big old Russian hockey players. They don't like little old Asian-American United States hockey players. Well, and he's also he's also uh, you know playing in Dallas. And Kaprizov is playing in Minnesota. And Minnesota is the, the hockey state. So Minnesota. Minnesota. Eh? Pretty trashy hockey state. Yeah. But anyways, uh, it, you know, one of the biggest arguments I've seen for Kaprizov compared to Robertson and why that Robertson should be the Calder, you know, the Calder winner is the fact that Kaprizov is 24. So he's up, he's up there in age when you talk about, you know, rookies. I think, you know, the... And, and this would this what's funny is that this would be the second time that a Dallas Stars rookie would have gotten hosed by a Russian-born player. Because the last time that we that somebody got close to winning the Calder was guess who? Now I'm not talking Haskin and I'm not talking Garyanov. Nope. Mike Madano. Back in his rookie season, there was a 31-year-old Russian player. I think his name was uh, Sergei Makarov. And he won Rookie of the Year because it was his first season in the NHL. And then after he won it, that's when they made the rule that you, that, that your age had to be 25 and under. And that was when they instituted that rule. So this would be the second time, the second time that a Dallas Stars player of high caliber will have gotten hosed by a Russian player. Which would really oh, suck. An old Russian player. Yeah. Freaking Russian leagues. Stupid. And, well, and that was the thing Hate is, Russia. 
and that was the thing is that Mike Madonna was 18 at 18 19 at the time and this guy was 31. I mean that's a huge difference. And and Makarov came from double. Makarov came from the KHL. So it's not like he hadn't been playing in a very highly competitive, you know, hockey league. The KHL is the second best league in the in the world in my opinion. So uh, I mean, we'll see. Uh I I really think that Robertson will win the Calder. At by the end of the year, if he con- continues this uh, mark of cons- consistency that he's been on the past month, month and a half, he will win the Calder. I hope so, but we've been snubbed so many times. I have no more hope. Yeah, <laughs> you. Know, I mean, I would be okay with taking that as a uh, you know consolation prize for not making the playoffs. I yeah, would that'd be, be sick. I would be totally okay with uh with with that happening. But uh I uh, feel like if he plays good enough to win the Calder though, we are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> so well well and maybe that will be a deciding factor in why uh he makes why he gets the Calders. Maybe his he leads his team to the uh yeah, to the playoffs. So that would be awesome. So Okay, uh I think we hit all of our topics that we wanted to this evening, Chris. Uh you want to talk any more about the the soccer stuff, the football stuff, or not really? Uh, no, plus minus is a stupid stat because <laughs> third on points for the third third in points for rookies is Josh Norris. He has twenty seven points. He's minus thirteen. Guess why? Because he's playing for Ottawa. What's he supposed to do? Right. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Stat. But at the same Dumb time. Stat. Uh, but at the same time, when you look at Minnesota and you look at Dallas, they're kind of in the same the same area right now. Now I know the Stars are not playing as well as Minnesota is right now. But Dallas but, is, is such a better defensive team, too. Like if you put Corpus Corpusov, Kaprizov, <laughs> freaking Russians, Corpusalo on, on Dallas, maybe his plus minus is is maybe his plus minus is way higher. Because he's got great defenders behind him. It's just, it's not a comparable stat, I don't think. I think it's just a bad stat. Oh, well. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, we know how you feel about plus minus. It's a stupid stat. It's a stupid stat. According to Chris, plus minus is a stupid stat. Okay. All right. I think we're going to leave it at that tonight, guys. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Starcaster Marks right here on 365 Sportscast Radio Network. Uh, coming up next is Buried Treasures. And make sure that you follow uh, Chris and I on any social media, anything. Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or any of that jazz. Um, and we will catch you guys uh, next week at 9 Central, 10 Eastern. Um, anything else you want to say, Chris, before we uh, close this up? Outro music, go! <laughs> All right, guys, have a good evening, and we'll catch you guys on the flip side.